Welcome back again. We are now on our eighth episode of a series that we started called Walking with God. And how amazing was Mukui last week? Oh my goodness, what a privilege it is to be able to share this seat with other people and more importantly just to be able to have Mukui just kind of courageously come and sit here. She was very nervous doing it but she was so courageously came and sat down and I love how when she started off, many people didn't see this but when she started she's just like okay God let's do this you know and I love that because it's just like in a lot of ways and it's a lot of what we've spoken about many times is that courage is not the absence of fear it is moving in spite of it right and that is exactly what Mukui came and showed us and she delivered such a fantastic beautiful message from the heart of God man it was such a blessing for me to be able to just sit here and just experience that for the first time it was so amazing I was just over here balancing tears the whole time because it was so amazing just to see someone else sit on this chair and teach was such a such an amazing privilege anyway so today we are continuing with this series and we're still going to be on john 4 but at the very end of john chapter 4 is a story that i think i want us to be able to look at that is such a beautiful story that i think we can learn um, a few things from so allow me to read it it's from luke chapter 4 from verse 43 to 54 okay it says after two days he left for galilee now jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country when he arrived in galilee the galileans welcomed him they had seen all that he had done in jerusalem at the passover festival for they also had been there once more he visited cana in galilee where he had turned water into wine and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at capernaum when this man heard that jesus had arrived in galilee from judea he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death unless you people see signs and wonders jesus told him you you will never believe the royal official said sir come down before my child dies go jesus replied your son will live the man took jesus at his word and departed while he was still on the way his servants met him with the news that his boy was living when he inquired as to the time when his son got better they said to him yesterday at one in the afternoon the fever left him then the father realized that this was the exact time at which jesus had said to him your son will live so he, he and his whole household believed this was the second sign jesus performed after coming from judea to galilee amen and amen jesus has just gotten back to his hometown in galilee right and you know it's no coincidence that in the in 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 verse 44 john tells us that a prophet has no honor in his own country that as soon as he says that jesus has gone back into galilee he wants to be able to explain to you the context of the vibe that jesus is in right now right that a prophet has no honor in his own country now we get a clearer picture of what this means through the other gospels so both matthew and mark make mention of this but i'll look at mark's version of these events of a prophet is without honor in his own country where in mark 6 from verse 1 to 6 it reads jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples when the sabbath came he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed where did this man get these things they asked what's this wisdom that has been given him what are these remarkable miracles he's performing isn't this the carpenter isn't this mary's son and the brother of james joseph judas and simon aren't his sisters here with us and they took offense at him jesus said to them a prophet is not without honor except in his own town amongst his relatives and in his own home 
He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. And so the thing is that when Jesus comes back home to the to this place, to his home, his home is a place where the people have rejected him. Okay? Because they're like, see, this is this guy, this is uh this is we know this guy, the carpenter. Now all of a sudden he's he's over here telling us all these things. It's just like where does he where did he learn these things? Where did he who told him these things? What authority does he so they questioned him? And so for for Jesus, his hometown, for him in his authority and in the place that he's in is a place where people have rejected his ministry. They have rejected his purpose, right? And so this place is not his vibe, right? And it's the thing that's clear is, if you look at this, it says that he was amazed at their lack of faith, that he could not even perform miracles in that place because of the level of unbelief that existed in, in, in his hometown, right? And so the thing that happens here, it's important for us to paint this context, is because as soon as he lands in his own hometown, guys are hype about him, not because of the things that he teaches, but because of the miracles that he had performed during the Passover festival. And so they were hype, not because they believed in him, but because they wanted to, they were ready to see a show. So they're like, hey, there's that guy for those miracles, bruh. He's here. But it's not because they believed in him. It's because they were excited to come and see the Jesus show. Right? And the thing that is so important, why this is so critical, is because it's important to understand the context of what was happening in this space. So Jesus is coming to this place, but the thing that's important is to realize where he has come from. The place where he has come from is Samaria, right? And if you read in the, this same chapter that we just read in John, chapter 4, from verse 39 to 42, it says that many of the Samaritans from, from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Remember the story that was uh, shared last week about the Samaritan woman, right? Now, this woman, this is the woman he's speaking to. So many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. I need you to understand the, 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 the stark difference between the Samaritans who are, according to Jews, considered outsiders, right? And contrast that to the Galileans. And so on this one hand, these Samaritans believe in Jesus based off of his word. This guy has not performed any signs and wonders in Samaria for them to believe in him. They literally believe in him. It says here, because of what he said to them, they heard for themselves and they came to the conclusion from what they heard that this man really is the savior of the world. But then he gets to Galilee and Galilee is a place where they have thrown his word. They have no reverence towards his word. One moment they're like, but this is the carpenter. <laughs> 
And so the thing is, is that when Jesus comes to this place, what these guys are excited about is to see this guy performing some works. They want to see some miracles. They are hype about seeing all these signs and wonders and they are like, ah, show us some signs, bro. Come show us a show. In fact, maybe if the show is good enough, maybe we'll believe in you. And so this is such a huge difference and such a huge shift, even if I call it a shift of vibes. So in one place is a faith-filled place that Jesus has come from. A place where people are believing in what he's saying based off his word. And then in this other place is a place where there is so much, there is such a huge lack of faith in this place, right? In a place where he even himself is performing miracles is, is tough, right? Because they don't believe in him. These people want to see signs and wonders so that they can believe. All right? And so the thing is, is that in John if you think about like um, uh, later on in the book of John, in John 20 verse 29, it says Jesus, when he resurrects, he finds Thomas who is doubtful of Jesus' claim of resurrection. And he has to see his hands and his feet. And Jesus says to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that's the thing that's so fascinating that we don't even realize as believers now is the amount of incredible faith that we exercise in the fact that we believe from hearing. That we are those who have believed from hearing God's word and have believed in the message that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And this is what happens with the Samaritans, right? That they do not need to see any signs and wonders to believe in Jesus. But the Galileans, on the other hand, those guys have to see. They want to see signs and wonders, right? And so, here is Jesus. He has come from an environment where Samaritans who are outsiders believe, the Galileans don't. These guys want to see, these guys believe from his word, these guys want to see signs and wonders for entertainment, right? And so, obviously, while he's in Galilee, the reason why this is so important that I'm telling you this is because I need you to understand why when Jesus is responding to this guy, this royal official, who comes and he asks for help from Jesus because he says to him, please come with me. My son is about to die. I need you to come and lay your hands on my son so that he may be able to live. And you have to understand that at Jesus, he's now in this space where he's come from this place of faith and now he's come from this place of lack of faith. And the first thing that meets him is someone looking for a sign, a miracle. In this place where no one listens to him. No one obeys his word. No one takes his word seriously in this place. And so, he's, he, so when this official comes to him in Galilee, Jesus laments to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Unless you guys see signs and wonders, you guys will never believe. And so the thing is, is that for me, in my opinion... <laughs> This is purely my opinion, please don't. My opinion is that, like, me, I feel like Jesus is in a bad mood, right? <laughs> like, he's this there, like, me, I have come from all these good vibes. It's like you, it's like you come from, it's like, I, I feel like it's the, what I'd imagine is like, you come from, like, an amazing worship experience at some church, and you're just like, what? Just feeling all the vibes, and just like, yes, Lord, you come. And then you come to, like, a toxic home or something. You know, like, let's say there's, there's so much bad vibes at home. So you've come from this great environment, and then now you're at home, right? <laughs> and so someone comes 
to with a request to you and you just get like oh, my guy first this place <laughs> right or you will not believe unless you see signs and wonders that's how i understand it but i i get where jesus is coming from that this is a place where people want to see signs for entertainment you do not believe my word which is an appropriate lamentation for those who are in galilee but the royal official is not deterred he continues to plead with jesus to come with him and the thing is understandable because if you think about it up until this point what any any miracle that has been observed and seen has been on site meaning that jesus is on site and so i can understand why this royal official is insistent come with me come with me that journey that he's, he's telling this guy to come with him it's a journey. It's not, it's not, it's going to take, it probably will take them at least a day of journeying to be able to get to um, the, the place where this royal official is from. And so I can understand that, right? But this is what's so interesting. That in this very moment, as this official is here having this thing of like, please come with me. I get, I get, I don't understand why you're so upset, <laughs> Jesus, but also... I need a miracle, so can you please come with me? And this is what's so fascinating. The thing that Jesus gives this royal official in Galilee, in a place where people do not believe his word, he gives him his word and he says to them, Go, your son will live. Remember, there was the official, if you remember there's a story around um, where Jesus, there's this Roman centurion and, the, and he begins to start to trek towards this Roman centurion's uh, house so that he can heal his servant. So Jesus is not averse to being able to do trips to heal people. But what he does in Galilee, in a place where there's no faith, no belief, he lit, where people do not believe his word, he comes to this guy and what he gives this man is his word. And he says to him, go, your son will live. And it says, the man took Jesus at his word and departed. This is something very extraordinary in Galilee. That there was a man that took Jesus at his word. Basically what the Samaritans did. This is what this man did. He took Jesus at his word and departed. A decision that led him down the journey of faith, right? A journey that basically helped him establish his trust in Jesus as the Messiah. Now, the thing that is interesting here is that the word belief used in this passage is a very interesting word in regards to how we understand the word belief, right? Now, the thing is, for many of us, belief doesn't necessarily bring out what a word like trust says, right? So, belief is like, I can believe in this. I, I believe... Uh, I believe in something, but do, you may not necessarily trust that thing, but you believe, right? Belief and trust, in a sense, for us, it's like we believe in things, but do we necessarily, can we place our dependency on that thing? And for most of us, it'd be like, ah, I believe in you, but I don't know if I can place my dependency upon you. I believe what you're saying, but I don't know if I can trust you. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? But the thing that's so interesting is, is that the word trust is actually the operating word whenever we talk about belief and faith in the scriptures. 
This is literally the bedrock. And the thing about trust is that it's a very powerful word. When Abraham, when he says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, it was saying that Abraham trusted God. In fact, the word that's, so in Genesis 15 and verse 6, where it comes that Abraham believed God, that word aman that's used there is actually a word about to stand firm, to trust, to be certain, to believe in, to stand firm to trust, to believe. And so basically, whenever you see the word faith or belief, that the, the anchoring word in that is the word trust. It's about trust. And so a lot of times what we don't realize is that when God is asking us to believe in him, what he's really asking us is, will we trust him? Whew. And so the thing is, what this man was being asked to do, go, your son will live. This was a question about trust. What this man did was when Jesus told him, go, your son will live, is that it says that he took Jesus at his word, meaning that he chose to trust that Jesus would do what he had said he would do. That what he had said is what is going to happen. And this is evidenced by the fact that he departed and went back home. This was his trust in action. He's like, okay, this my son for whom I desperately need a miracle for, I have only seen and heard that this guy, Jesus, heals on sight. But this guy, it says in the scripture, chose to take Jesus at his word. He chose to trust Jesus and journeyed back on that word and you know the thing is I can imagine what it must have been like for him where he's just kind of walking back he's taking this trek back and he's wondering to himself man should I not should I have insisted that Jesus comes did I make the right decision living without Jesus I wonder if along the way he started to have some doubts as he was walking home you know thinking like man like was it the right bet to trust Jesus and to take him at his word and it wasn't until the very next day where he finds out whether the decision that he had made and the choice he had made to trust Jesus was the right choice. He finds out that his son was healed at the time when Jesus said the word. And all this results in him and his whole household, it says, placing their consistent trust in Jesus. Now, I titled this sermon, Trust Issues. Because for many of us, I believe that we believe in God in the sense of how in this world we understand belief, like where you believe that he exists, right? We believe, you know, he says, faith is a substance, it says, yeah, he who comes to God must first believe that he is. So meaning that's the, that's the version of, of belief that we, that, we, that, we, that we are like, yeah, I believe in God. I believe that he exists. For the others, it's the fact that not only do you believe that God exists, but you believe that Jesus is Lord, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Redeemer. I believe that Jesus is Lord. But the reason why I call this trust issues is because I believe that there are many of us who believe in God, but we don't trust him. We have trust issues. And the thing that I realize, because the idea around trust is that not only do you believe that he exists, but you also place your dependency upon him. Trust is like literally the pillars that hold a building together. 
the anchors meaning that literally the only way that this building stands is because of these anchors trust is about dependency that i depend fully upon god but for many of us we believe that he exists but our trust is where we are waning and the thing is is that you know why this was so fascinating for me is because while i was preparing this message i realized that i too have trust issues and that I had to talk to God about it. I don't think many of us understand how to deal. And this is the thing that's so fascinating because I don't think many of us understand what it means to deal with someone that sees the end from the beginning. When dealing with God, he asks you to do things that in your current state and natural mind do not make sense. Why? Because you're dealing with someone who sees the end from the beginning, meaning that literally, He's already seen your end. <laughs> and so, literally, it's like someone comes who has seen your entire... Then there's something he tells you in... in, in if, assume, let's say, your life has 30 chapters. He comes into chapter 10 to tell you something that wouldn't make sense to you until chapter 15. Because he sees the end from the beginning. So the thing is that you're dealing with a God who has numbered your days and has seen them all in real-time clarity. You're dealing with a God that admits that his ways are higher than your ways and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But not just by a little bit. They're not a little higher. It says, as far as the heavens (laughs) are from the earth, you can't even conceptualize that, is how far removed his thoughts are from your thoughts. You're dealing with a God who says he knows the plans he has for you. Plans not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You're dealing with a God who says that before you were even formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. And he has set out your purpose even before you were formed in your mother's womb. And so here's the thing. How do you deal with a God like this? Because for someone who who operates at that level, literally... This is part of the reason why faith, trust, is such a huge determinant of how you absolutely have to relate with God. Because how do you relate with someone who sees the end from the beginning? That guy, first and foremost, you can't even, your mind cannot fathom the place that he, the plans that he has for you. And the only way you can relate with a person like that is trust you just have to believe this person you have to believe that the plans he has for you are plans to prosper you plans to give you a hope and a future you have to believe that the things that he's putting you through at this very moment are for your good think of the story of of joseph could he ever have imagined that his plan to accomplishing god's plan in his life would be through the betrayal of his own family false accusations languishing in prison to eventually becoming the second in command in all of egypt i can assure you when he saw the dream when he was a young man in his wildest imagination he would never have conceptualized or imagined such a path for his life and the thing is that to understand is that when, when, when dealing with a God who is like this, it is easy for you to develop trust issues because in our realm of experience, we operate from what we see and know. Right? We will never be able to imagine, Joseph is not going to sit there and imagine such a life for himself. 
And it's the same thing for us. I can tell you right now, my friends, me, I, I would never have envisioned the path I'm currently on. In my wildest thoughts, if you told me, think, may I think, 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 think crazy, think, think wild, I, I can assure you, <laughs> this would not be the life I would, I would envision for myself. But here we are. I would have written this thing completely differently. And so what God does for us to help us understand him and his ways is that he gives us his word. And he shows us through the stories of others. Literally, when we are reading all through scripture, when we are reading the stories of Abraham, Joseph, Peter, Paul, all these people, is that what God is literally trying to communicate to us is that he is trustworthy. He gives us a broad overview of his plan and he says to us, I have a plan for you, a plan to prosper you, a plan to give you a hope and a future. And he says to us that when you walk with me, I am always leading you in the path of progress and fruitfulness. And he says to us that even when we go through the rivers of difficulty, we will not drown. Or when we go through the fire of oppression, we won't be consumed. And so in so many instances throughout our lives, Literally, all we have is his word. And like this father, we have the option to either take Jesus at his word or stay where we are with our trust issues. And my friends, I'm here to tell you that God understands our trust issues. This is the reason why consistently, I can even think, even right now as I think of like someone like Joshua, where he says to him, my guy, please be strong and very courageous. Because he knows what he's about to go against. He knows exactly. And all Joshua has to lean on is his word, is God's word, that he has commanded me to be strong and courageous. He has said that I have victory. And so where things have not gone as you had anticipated or planned, he understands our trust issues. Where when you look around and you're, you're, you're kind of you know, thinking to yourself, like, how did I get here after following after God? Or maybe sometimes your trust issues are not even centered around God. They're centered around your upbringing. Where certain experiences you may have experienced diminished your ability to trust. But the thing is, is that trust is a key ingredient for any relationship to flourish. It is no different from your relationship with God. Trust allows you to be vulnerable. It allows you to be yourself. It allows you to feel safe and secure. It increases your closeness and your intimacy. It actually even minimizes conflict. Trust allows you to depend on God. And so the thing is, is that if you are at a place where you find yourself always assuming the worst, you may have trust issues. Or if you find yourself being suspicious of God, you may have trust issues. Or if you find yourself engaging in self-sabotage where you're consistently choosing what does not serve you, you may have trust issues. Or if you find yourself having an unforgiving heart, you may have trust issues. Or if you find yourself constantly distancing yourself from God, you may have trust issues that you have not believed fully and depended upon Jesus Christ. And so when you make a mistake, you distance yourself because you don't fully trust that if you confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you find yourself constantly focusing on negative things in your life, you may have trust issues. 
And these trust issues can be from whether it's people who have disappointed you in the past or it may be from times where you've believed God for something and it didn't pan out the way you had hoped. It may be from just you're going through a very difficult season that you're enduring and it's forming trust issues within you. Now, what I want to suggest to you today is that this journey is possible of beginning to actually overcome trust issues and getting back to that childlike trust. And there's just two quick things that I want to mention here as I, as I, as I finish. Is that the first thing that I, and let me tell you, the first place that I believe that any one of us has to begin is by admitting that you have trust issues and talking to God about it. Listen, God is not intimidated by you coming to tell him, Father, I have some issues trusting you. He's not going to be like, oh my gosh, get away from me, you faithless child. No. Go to God and tell him, I have a problem trusting you and I need you to help me with this. Because God will help you. This is the best place to start with anything is first by admitting that you have the problem. Some of these, childhood, these things can come from your childhood experiences. It may come from disappointments you have suffered. But first and foremost, the first place you have to start is to go to God with this. That through this confession that you may even realize that some of your trust issues are actually control issues. Where the reason you mistrust God is because you want to be in the driver's seat of your life. And that's just not how it works, unfortunately. That maybe it may require you that God may actually confront you and it may require you to relinquish control over your own life and surrendering your life to God. It may be him showing you the areas in which you are trying to control things and basically it may be time for you to let go of those things. The reason why I love about talking to God about this is because he will start to point you in directions. There's some people where he'll literally point you to therapy. There's some people where he'll point you to certain things in your life where he's just kind of like, you're going to have to let go of this if you're going to be able to fully depend upon me. You're going to have to let go of certain things and surrender certain things to me. There's some areas where you are, you are trying to control certain things and because of that, it is frustrating you and it is causing you so much frustration because of the control that you're trying to have in a place where I'm calling you to surrender to me. The reason why I say this is because at some point in regards to some area of your life, you're going to have to make a choice like this father. You're going to have to choose to simply let go of something you're adamant about and just to trust God. This father, if you think about it, was very adamant about, because that's what he had known and understood. Jesus heals on sight. <laughs> and so he was adamant, come lay your hand on my son. Come lay your hand, come lay your hand. And Jesus told him, go. And he had a choice. This father had a choice. Either to stay in his perspective of the only way I've seen Jesus healing is on sight. So unless he comes with me, me, I'm not leaving. Or he had a moment either to choose that or to, to choose to trust God. To choose to trust Jesus. And how it says that the man took Jesus at his word and departed. And he did what? And he departed. I can imagine how grueling that walk must have been. But my friends, I think the point here is this, is that part of this thing of overcoming your trust issues is a journey. It's a journey that you're going to have to start to take. 
And it starts off by first admitting that you have the problem, but the second part is really understanding that they are going to be what's gonna the next step is where he's, Jesus is gonna come and say, Go. And you're going to have to be at that same place where you're going to have to choose and make a decision like this, Father. Will I sit here and stay in this perspective? Or will I depart and literally take Jesus at his word and go? And so that leads me to my last point in terms of overcoming these trust issues is that start the journey. The journey of learning to trust God. And the thing is to understand that this trust is going to take time to build. Don't feel here this pressure of like, oh my gosh, I have trust issues. We must overcome them tomorrow. Or you think that there's an altar call here that we'll do and then all of a sudden it's like, ah, I don't, I feel like trust has just overcome me all of a sudden. Is to understand that first and foremost that this is a journey. And the place that you begin this journey is by by starting at the place where, and I know this, and I know this, that whenever, listen, the reason why I keep pushing you people to, to, to go talk to God, go, go tell him your things, go tell him about these trust issues that you have, is because I fundamentally believe that God will speak to you. And I want you to start there. Forget about the things of the past and the places. I want you to begin where what God is going to say to you what he's going to speak to you about, that you would make the choice like this father to take Jesus at his word and go. That start this journey of trusting in him by literally just trusting what God is going to say to you and go. And the thing is, is that the reason why I say this is a journey is because when you begin to take those steps, these are the steps that you take to being able to overcome all these trust issues that you have because our God is dependable. He is dependable and he's trustworthy. And the thing that happened for this father is that when he made that decision to literally go and he departed, I can ass- I, I believe that probably along the way he's like, man, I don't know if I did the right thing. I don't know. I don't know. And it was only halfway through there where he understands and he learns. And it is after, it is after this happens that it says, that then after this, him and his whole household believed. Meaning that they got into a place of consistent trust in Jesus. Where they were like, that guy, that's the guy. And so the thing is, I want you to be able to get to that place where I want you to share what it is, these trust issues, and especially the areas, specific areas that you're really trusting God to believe. Like it could be in the areas of relationships or finances or whatever it is. And you tell him, man, God, I have a problem trusting you in this place. Talk to him about it. And the things that he will push you and he will say to you that I want you to come into a place where you will determine in your heart that whatever God will say to you, that you will be like this father, that you will take Jesus at his word and go. That you will run with that word. That you will run with that word and follow after what Jesus is asking you to do. And that you would purpose within yourself to begin this journey of building trust. Amen? Amen. God will help you overcome your trust issues so that you can also help others to overcome them as well. Okay? And the thing that's so beautiful that I love about this, this, this royal official is that his story and his trust, his journey of trust, is the thing that literally led to 
him and his whole household coming to faith. It is through these steps of faith and trust that we have to reach a point where we're just going to have to trust Jesus at his word. We're going to have to be Samaritans and not Galileans, where we're waiting for signs and wonders to move, where we begin the journey of trusting Jesus at his word. What does Jesus say about your situation? What does his word say about your situation? And being able to go and take that word and to trust him and to say that, Lord, I will trust you. I will trust that you will come through for me, that you will do this for me. If it's an area of anger, whatever it is that you're dealing with, that you first be able to understand what does his word say about it. And as you talk to God about it, that first there'll be the word that you hang on to and trust him for that word from his scripture. But then I believe so strongly in my heart that God is going to speak to each and every single one of you. And whatever he says to you, go, depart, and do that thing and take him at his word. Amen. 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 Woo! Hallelujah. Our God is trustworthy. Ah, he's so trustworthy. Amen. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you so much for your word today. Um, thank you so much for how you continue to uh, enlighten us through your son. Yeshua, we thank you. We thank you so much for your love, your grace, your goodness, and that we can trust you. We can depend upon you. Even when we don't understand what's all this about, the thing that we can trust is you. We may not understand the situation, but we can trust you, that you have good plans for us, that you are leading us to a place of fruitfulness, a place of progress, no matter what it looks like, that this is working for my good. You are with us and you are trustworthy. You have given us life, eternal life, abundant life. And we trust that whatever it is that you are working, the master painter, you are doing an amazing thing for us. And we thank you, Father, that we can trust you we thank you, Jesus, for in your holy name, we pray. Amen. God bless. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share with someone whom you love. Share with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button. Subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.